As Pastor Mike already told you guys, Colossians chapter 3 is where we're headed in a few minutes. But before then, I'm going to share something about myself with you guys. When I first submitted to ministry, like this was this was you know going to be a thing that I did on a regular basis, one of the biggest fears that I had was a four-letter word slipping from my mouth in this context. You see, I submitted to, to this type of work when I was working in a very different environment where, frankly, crass communication was, was kind of the norm. I'm at a much better place in life now, personally, <clears throat> but I, I just want to do something. Y'all know that I'm a bit of a loose cannon. Sometimes I'll push the limits on things that should and shouldn't be said. So I just want to get it over with. Um, now I'm aware that this word is probably going to offend some of you guys and, uh, you know, in advance. I'm sorry. Um, but I got a little anxiety about it. I'm just going to tell the truth. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's the last warning. I'm just going to shout it out. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. So here we go. Work. There it is. It's out there. It's over with. Look, y'all, we're halfway through now a series about influence. I hope y'all really don't think I'd, I'd do that. But we are halfway through a series on influence, specifically your influence in your world. We started with Upside Down Church. Pastor Mike talked to us. We compared the early church and the contemporary church, us, the modern church, where we are versus where they were. And, and if there's such a drastic difference in the impact that the two are making, that maybe we need to reconsider what we're doing and, and look at what we're doing to, to try to make an impact. And then we talked about friends, and Pastor Mike reminded us that our words matter in those relationships. Last week, as we celebrated moms, we talked about family and expectations versus experience and how we have a choice in dealing with our perception of, of the difference. This week, we're going to look at work. We're going to look at our jobs. We're going to talk about how our attitudes towards our work reflect our relationship with God and thus can impact other people. So here's the big idea. It's going to be on the screen behind me. How we work can be a form of worship and can influence other people. So that's what we're going to try to remind you guys that today your work is part of your influence. Now look, I am very, very, very aware that it's easy for me to stand up here and say this because I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I, I do this for a living. Your staff... All of us do Jesus things for our living. We talk about Jesus. We think about Jesus. We think about helping you talk about Jesus and, and, and learn about Jesus. Jesus is like our, our thing. We don't work in the world anymore. However, I want to remind you guys that every single person on your church staff has worked in the world. We get it. Y'all, I, I was in the military, where again, crass communication, violence, thrill-seeking, all those sorts of, of things were the norm. 
Pastor Mike worked in construction where it's not dissimilar from, from what I was around. There's lots of shenanigans. Uh, Miss Amy and Miss Paulette both worked in the school system. And look, my mom was a teacher. I know school is a place of learned people taking the less learned to a more learned situation. But the, there are things that go on in the school systems that are shenanigans. That's going to be my word for the day. Now, Chris, Chris, he worked in maintenance, similar to construction, but at another time in Chris's life, he was an aspiring musician, and whether you know it or not, he was actually a stunt double for Bon Jovi. (laughs) And then there's Chad. Chad works in technology services. Now, let me tell you, if you've ever worked in that arena... If you want somebody to show you their colors, have their internet go down when they need to send out an important email. Every one of us remembers a time when our faith and our work collided. They clashed. Something was going on that that just irritated us. I'm sure that every one of us can tell you again those stories. But today what I want to do is take a few minutes and tell you one of mine. When I was in the military, we we worked out every day. Um, And this story starts in the gym. You see, there was a point in time where I was actually fairly strong. But I've never, ever been very flexible, particularly in my ankles. And we were doing a CrossFit workout and we were doing overhead squats. So I've got 135 pounds on a bar over my head, and I'm trying to squat. Now, I was going to show you that, but at risk of my pants, I'm not going to show you that. Um, but I'm, I'm squatting 135 pounds over my head. And one of my very best friends in life is just giving me a hard time. Toe squats, toe squats. And I, for whatever reason, wasn't having it this morning. And I'm standing there in our gym with 135 pounds over my head, and my buddy's no further away than me and Chad are right now. Chad, stand up for me. And I just chunked that weight at him. Like, legitimately could have hurt somebody. And made some remarks that I'm not going to say in this context. Um, I'm not going to say it, period. But I'm just, anyway, I made some remarks and said, I'm going running. Now, that day I did what I did a lot of times when I I don't run anymore. When A a lot of times when when I would go running is I'd pull my iPhone out or iPad or MP3 player um, and I'd plug my headphones in and I'd drop my phone or whatever in a pocket and I'd hit shuffle. And that morning, if you're familiar with the band Sidewalk Prophets, a Sidewalk Prophets song was the random song that played, and the song is Words I Would Say. And it crushed me. Just crushed me. So that evening on the way home, I think that was probably the quietest I ever sat at my desk in any given day. But that evening uh, on my way home from work, I called my pastor, and he told me, Tyler, I think 
I think the best thing for you, I want to help you, I, I love you, and I'd love to help you, but and the truth is, is I've been a pastor my whole life, and I, I don't know some of the dynamics that you deal with in the military. I think it would be better for me to put you in a discipleship situation with somebody with similar stuff. And I said, well, that makes sense. So he hooked me up with another one of my very best friends. We met and kind of linked up. And then we issued a challenge to the church after talking for just a few days. We recognized something. We recognized that male discipleship, men in their 30s-ish, plus or minus 10, is an area that the church fails to disciple and an area of the church that men fail to ask and desire to be disciple because all of our lives are busy. So we stood before the church and issued this challenge, and he, we said, we're like Timothy and Titus, two of the guys that, that Paul mentored. And whoever you are out there, Paul, we're looking for you. We need a mentor. We need somebody who's a little bit older than us, who's been through some stuff, that's, that's been married, that's raised kids, that's been in the workforce, dealt with temptations, etc., etc., etc. The things, the real things that sometimes people don't talk about in church, the real things that people really deal with. We we need somebody to walk with us through those things. And and one of the men stood up and he came to us and said, guys, I got you. I, I got you. But if you want to learn this, you need to teach it. And he said, I'm not abandoning you. I'm going to be right there by your side the whole way. But if you want to learn it, you need to teach it. And we said, okay. And we took off. We started this men's study group, and uh, it was growing and, and awesome. And, but for one of the first times in my life, outside of, of relational situations, in a, in a task-oriented situation, I found myself content. I found myself recognizing there was nothing I wanted to do more than tell people about what Jesus had done in my life, tell people about what Jesus was doing in my life, and open the book and tell people about what it was saying. Nothing I wanted to do. So I, again, y'all know I get a little bit excited. I, I go into my pastor's office, and, and I was like, hey, I found this thing. And I told him what I just told you guys. And he says, have you ever thought about going to seminary? And I went, no, <laughs> no. And he said, well, you should. And I went, huh. And since I'm a very thoughtful person, within about 45 minutes, I was enrolled in seminary. Um, and I finally got assigned an advisor, and um, the first conversation I had with that advisor, she said, you know, tell me about yourself. And I was like, you know, I grew up Catholic. I've, you know, figured out I didn't have a relationship, yada, yada, yada. I'm telling, you know, my story. And she says, you need hermeneutics. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and she says, well, basically, it's systematic Bible study. And I said, okay, sounds great. Let's do it. So I go through this class, and I'm Googling things that people are saying in the class and and then having to Google things Google saying about things in the class. I was lost as a ball in tall weeds, but nonetheless, I was fully committed to this. I was absolutely just pouring out for this, this, this situation, this opportunity God was giving me. Now look, I'm still in the military. 
uh, and a year or so has gone by. I'm still in seminary. It's, that's going great, but I am struggling with the environment that I work in. And I remember distinctly walking down the hall in our building. We had just left a meeting. I was really angry. And I was just like, God, when you're ready for me to take the uniform off and the boots and drop the pack, and I'm going to do nothing but carry a Bible, I'm ready. I wasn't angry at God saying that prayer. I was angry at the situation I was in. I was struggling with that situation. But keep going. Keep, we, we get into this trip, and a young man who actually has, has been coming to Grace Community Church is on that trip with, with us. He was one of the guys I was training. He's asking me all kinds of questions about this class. And I said, you know, I'm taking hermeneutics. And he says, what's that? And I said, a Google exercise. Um, but we're, no, I told him seriously what it, what it was. And he goes, that's really cool. And he starts asking me, well, how'd you get there? Did you have any past experience at Bible study? And I was like, this much? None. Like in my, you know, as a kid, I, it, I didn't carry a Bible around. I never opened it. You know, I, I had zero experience. I said, I, you know, I grew up Catholic. I, I had this familiarity with things of faith, but I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we're having this conversation, one of the other guys, I, I turn and look, and we're in southern Arizona, right on the border. We're in the mountains, and this is a picturesque sunset. There's this beautiful mountain. And there's this guy who has, one of our guys, has walked off. And we're on this kind of cliff ledge down below. He's walked up the mountain, and he's probably five feet from the peak of the mountain. So the sun's setting, and you've got all these rays coming around the, the sun. You've got this silhouette of a man on his knee, and he's got his helmet tucked under his arm. And I knew exactly what was going on. But one of the guys in our little group, he turns and sees him about the same time, and he yells up the mountain, hey, are you, bleep, praying? And I, I'm like rolling my eyes. And he's up this hill, and he goes, yeah, I kind of, bleep, am. And you're interrupting me. And I was like, well, you know, what do you do? Um, I, a few Hours or so goes by, and I asked that guy, hey, what was going on? What was, what was the deal with you up the mountain? And he said, dude, as you talked through your story, I realized it was my story. He said, I realized that I had zero relationship, that I knew who God was, but I, I had zero relationship with him. He said, and I wanted to fix it. So I went up the mountain and, and started praying. And I'm like, that's absolutely awesome. Do you know what that means? Do you, know, do you have questions? He's like, oh, yeah. So we talk, and this dude buys in like, right there. It, that's it. He's sold. I know he's sold because he and his wife are still in a church to this day. His children are in a church to this day. And two weeks later, I baptized he and his wife because he went home and told her, I have to tell you everything I've learned. And it was as though I heard God answering that prayer that I'll take the boots off and just carry the Bible. God saying, hey, Donnie, you don't worry about the boots. You don't worry about what you're wearing to work. You just do what I'm telling you to do. You tell my story. Tell what I'm doing in your life and tell my story. I'll sort the rest of it out. What you do for a living doesn't matter. 
Just do the things. Now look, I get it. Here I am telling you guys these things. I already, I've already told you we get it. But there's going to be some skeptical responses in a crowd. Surely your job won't allow you to talk about your faith. I'll remind you that few places are as strict as that, about that as the government. And I'll remind you this with regards to that. Your influence is far more than your words. Your actions and your character matter as much, if not more, than your words. There's probably some of you going, what are my friends, what are my coworkers going to think about me? And I admit, I was afraid. I went down a road of serious commitment to God, and I was worried about being ridiculed, about, about being outcast in a career I'd been very successful at, but I had just become a minority. Sure, I had to turn down drinks. I had to draw lines in places at certain places that I wasn't going to go with the guys anymore. But I went to bars with the guys. I piled around with them still. It made it a really easy opportunity for me to be the designated driver. And while they asked questions, hey, dude, why, are, why, don't, you, why aren't you doing this anymore? Why, why are you so different? Well, let me tell you, I got this story. It made that really easy. There's going to be some of those who say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to go about it. Yeah, yeah, I get that too. I was there. Again, I told you guys, public speaking was part of my life, but I didn't know how to talk about this until I committed. I, I had no idea. The first time I ever asked Jill on a date, I was a little awkward. Here's the deal. If you don't break the ice, there will always be ice to be broken. I want to remind you of this in just a second. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 3. But in Colossians chapter 4, Paul told some, a group of believers the, the, talking about this very same topic, about how they can use their influence to, for their conversations to be covered in grace. Grace is truth. Grace is, is the kind of truth that's from our lives. It's us speaking about what God has done in our lives. And then he said, and seasoned with salt. Salt is always a reference for truth in the Bible. But you guys know, there's a difference there. Covered in one, seasoned in the other. Seasoned, we're in the South. Everybody in here uses salt unless your doctor tells you not to. If you unscrew the cap accidentally, and when you're cooking, and you turn the salt to give the two shakes, and the cap falls off, you will ruin a meal. Paul was telling them that for a reason. Don't worry too much about having to talk about doctrine and big theology words. Those things will come if they're supposed to come. What you can do is talk about what Jesus is doing in your life. Let's get to the book. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 17. Paul had, had been going through this, this idea with the Colossians about what it it what Christian virtues look like, what it looked like to be a Christian. And then he expanded upon that and said, based on those virtues, expect these the kind of things to be happening in your life. And then he said, in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, that whatever's not the valley girl whatever. It's not whatever. 
It's legitimately whatever. It's all things. It's everything compiled under one. There's, there, it, it's a broad stroke of all these situations and certainly includes our work. So he says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's our purpose. So Paul, Paul has shifted whatever you do. So all things that we do, that, that umbrella is complete. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you work at all and have ever struggled to find your purpose at work, there is an answer. If your purpose in your work is Jesus, you will always have purpose no matter what your work is. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks again. It's that attitude of gratitude. We've talked about this before. If you recognize the gratitude we should have towards Jesus because of what he's done in our lives, it changes the way we do everything, our work included. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 23. What Paul is doing here is he's, he's, he's given that. That's the last of the whatever the start of the whatever passages, and then he starts listing these key relationships where people struggle so often to, to, have, to live out Christian virtues. It's easy to, to fight with people you spend more time around. People, there are struggles in marriages, struggles in parent-child relationships, and then Paul turns to slaves. And again, he says in verse 23, whatever you do, Everything in that sphere is included again. There's nothing excluded. But again, what did I just tell you? Paul is writing to slaves. How does it get any harder than that? And Paul is telling them, whatever you do, we know where this is going to unfold, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Again, we've got purpose. There are certainly obnoxious tasks that we're required to do, things that we may even avoid at work, but each one of these things is an opportunity. And when we look at them as we're working for the Lord, there is no difference between church work and world work. It's all an opportunity to serve God. Now, I will stop and say there are obvious sinful jobs. I'm not going to tell a you know, somebody who works in prostitution, that your job is to serve the Lord. That's not the thing. But if your job does not involve something unwholesome at its very core of what it's about, it is an opportunity to serve God. Let me keep reading. Working for the Lord, not human masters. There's the contrast of who's leading our lives. That when you're, again, Paul's talking to slaves who are, are servants of humans. And he's contrasting that, that leadership. That even though this is the situation, he's not condoning slavery. He's just saying this is a really tough situation, but you can do it. And you can do it as though you're serving God. He keeps going, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. I don't know how many people in this room work, but I know if you work, you probably don't have a disdain for payday. That reward that Paul is talking about is payday for followers of Jesus. Now, obviously, this is the, that's the eternal reward. 
there are rewards between then and now. There are high moments. There are, are strong moments. There are really grateful moments, really sweet moments when you serve Jesus that, that are, are, are so rewarding. But with an eternal reward like what Paul's talking about, there are no more bills. When you get that, that, that payment, there are no more bills to have to deal with. This is, this is, this is it. It is the Lord, Lord Christ you are serving. Paul closes that saying, you have a boss who's perfect. You have a boss who is non-judgmental. You have a boss that is going to do everything right as your boss. That if you serve him, your work, what you do outside We'll reflect that. Look, I want to give you a few things to take away. Followers of Jesus care for their responsibilities. That's the, one of the entire points that Paul is pointing to in Colossians here, that when you see your responsibility as serving God, not serving men, you will care about everything you do. Followers of Jesus pay attention to the rest work cycle. We don't have time to unpack that right now in its entirety, but I'll tell you that it was in the video that, that we watched to introduce this message. God worked for six days and then he rested. Jesus rested. Paul rested. All of, all of those that, that, that we read about in the books who, who served God, they rested. God's not going to ask you to work, 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 work and not rest. Followers of Jesus pay attention to that. And followers of Jesus realize that work is good. In Genesis chapter 1, God gave Adam and Eve this task to, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule over the fish, to, to rule over the birds, to, to have dominion over the earth. That was their task. That was their purpose. That was their work. And it happened before the fall. It happened before sin entered the, the world. It happened before we were corrupted. So it was good. Work is good. Here's the last thing. Jesus gave us this model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, sometimes we call it. And as we're praying through that, as he example praying through that, he talks about doing the will, of praying for the will of God. And he says, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Y'all, we live in a broken world. It will never be perfect, but there's hope for a future that is perfect. That prayer of Jesus encourages us that we can make things as right as we can now. Making things on earth like heaven. He's telling us to take advantage of the opportunities we have including our work, whether that is, is a paying job, a volunteer opportunity, your school, if you're a student, it doesn't matter. Your work influences others. If you allow your words, your actions, and your character to be on display at your jobs, at your work, and that all starts with an attitude, starts with recognizing the thanks that God is due, you are serving and worshiping Him. And others will see it, and you will influence them. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful for the opportunities you give us. Lord, thank you for 
leading us. Lord, I pray that we are wise and and able to see opportunities. Lord, that we are courageous enough to step towards them when we see them. And Lord, that we have the right words, that you impress upon us things to say to impact people's lives for you. Father, we ask you to lead us. Help us do things that honor you. Help us do things that share you with others. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, Grace Community Church, we uh, hope you have a fabulous week. And we'll see you next time.